if you would take your scriptures and turn with it, Proverbs chapter 9. We'll be reading the entire chapter, verses 1 through 18. Proverbs 9, 1 through 18. Would you give ear to the reading of God's word? Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. And he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise... You are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you bear it alone. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing, for she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest place of the city to call to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Grant us this morning, gracious and merciful God, grace to know and understand this process of salvation you have laid before us through your son, Jesus Christ. You told us that until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will disappear from the law until everything is fulfilled. Help us, Father. Help us that we might grow so we can come closer to the completion of all things. We know only the study of your word and the spread of that word will bring this to pass. Help us, Lord, to study this ninth chapter of Proverbs for our desire is to learn from you. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Over the last few weeks, we have studied God's wisdom. We observe the nature of wisdom, the benefits that come from following God's wisdom. The nature of wisdom is salvation. And the benefits that flow from her are a full and rewarding spiritual life and spiritual protection to all who embrace her. We shall look this morning at some of the the comparisons and the contrast to wisdom given us in this book of Proverbs. Seems very interesting that Solomon shows wisdom personified as a woman. Then he turns around and shows foolishness as personified as a woman. I don't guess they had a now organization back then. For I'm sure if they had, he would have been canceled. Why does he choose to use the woman as an example of wisdom. 
God created the woman to be man's helpmeet. It means she was to meet his needs and help him fulfill the requirements placed on him at creation. This is also the purpose of wisdom. You are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourself, it's the gift of God. You're not saved by your own works, which keeps you from boasting in your salvation. You're saved in the wisdom of God, and it is that wisdom given to you as a helpmeet. Wisdom guides you through this life and enables you to understand God's grace, which saves you. It was from your own sinfulness from which you were saved. Then why does Solomon also use the woman as an example of foolishness? Well, I don't guess there's anything more pathetic than a silly and ignorant woman. The woman who does not strive to learn what God has called her to be is the ultimate in a foolish person. God gave the woman a great responsibility. The duty she is given can be seen as more complex and I believe even harder than the role of man. She has been loaded down with gifts. She has been made the crown of man. What is this role she is given? It is one of submission. The woman in scripture represents the believer, man and woman. All believers are called to a life of submission to their Lord. This means both men and women, but in life on this earth, each one is given different duties. The the woman represents all believers. The man represents God as the leader of the family and the church. The woman's role is one of service. She is to meet the needs of her husband and family. When she fails to do this and seeks to please herself, she becomes a plague upon her family, her church, and her society. Husbands should place their wives on a pedestal, a high pedestal. Get them up there, man. It's where they belong. Honor them. For God has given to you, through wisdom, a great partner. He made the woman so that man could be complete. So the woman and her behavior can become either an example of wisdom or foolishness. This morning, we're looking at the comparisons in contrast to wisdom. We are first shown God's wisdom and what it offers us. Then we're given the ins and outs of how wisdom functions. Last, we're exposed to the opposite of wisdom self-gratifying foolishness. The wisdom we're talking about is the wisdom of God. It is first and foremost a constructive and productive wisdom. Let's examine these aspects of wisdom. We begin with God's love being poured out in front of us. It's laid out there for all to see. In Matthew 22, we have the parable of the wedding feast. The king had prepared a feast for the invited guest to his son's wedding. He sent his servants to call the guests. All the guests would not come because of business of their own. So the king sent other servants to explain that the feast was ready and they all continued to refuse the invitation. So the king sent other servants to deal with these rebellious men. 
Then he sent his servants out into the streets and byways, bidding everyone they could find to come to the feast. This is the work of wisdom, calling all who will hear and believe to come into God's kingdom. Wisdom is the queen of heaven, and she bids all to come to her. The great sacrifice called in 1 Corinthians 5, 17, Christ our Passover lamb, that's what supplies her feast. The work of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Christ. Proverbs 9, 1 and 2. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. Now, does this not show how Solomon could say wisdom is like a woman who fulfills her role as God has given it? It was the wisdom of God that set in motion the plan that was to redeem mankind. It is the wisdom of God that fulfills every aspect of that plan in its time. Therefore, it is clear that the wisdom of God is constructive and productive. It is also clear that women had and still have a very important role in securing the salvation of men. They are not second-class citizens in the church or in heaven. They have a very important role to play. Wisdom reaches out to the native, Proverbs 9, verses 3 through 5. She sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the earth city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Wisdom sends forth her companions, grace and mercy and cries out for the, for the, from the heights to all who will have an ear to hear. She's wanting them to come in. She's begging them to come to her. She cries out to the simple, those who have no light of understanding and are lost in total darkness. She calls them to come to her. All who would have understanding come to her table. There is nowhere else you can gain knowledge from her. Here is a feast, a feast just to look at, not just to look at, but to sit down and enjoy. Come in and get the bread of life and drink of the wine, grace and joy. Here she calls the native to come in and learn of her wholesome ways and to enjoy the benefits of such a well-prepared meal. Wisdom's invitation is not only to come, but to refresh herself, to refresh yourself of the dry and parching heat of self-reliance. To come resting in Christ and in him alone. Eating of the bread of his body, drinking from the mingled wine of his blood. When scripture speaks of mingled wine, it is talking of wine made stronger by the use of spices. Christ's blood is represented at the Lord's table by the fruit of the vine. It has been mingled with God's grace and mercy and is strong enough to save the foulest of sinners. Won't you come? Won't you come and be refreshed? Refreshed by this wonderful feast prepared for all of God's children? The invitation is open and it calls everyone. It calls all to come in and to find that 
safety and that, re- that, that refreshment. If you will hear and believe, if you will come trusting in Christ, you will be welcomed and you will find refreshment for your soul. Yes, this invitation is made to all men. Proverbs 9, 6. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. The Lord's heart flows forth with every offer of his grace. His servants are ministers of reconciliation. We're told in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, we are the ministry of reconciliation. Our message is a tale of a wonderful meal. This meal that has been prepared and then bid all we know to come in. All we can find in the streets and the byways to come in. To come in and enjoy this meal. All who are caught in the web of sin are offered freedom. Here is found the sinner's justification. Not because of his own worthiness. But because of his need. The invitation is given to come unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear ones, if you come, you will see that all the blessings of the gospel are set before you. Love without beginning, without end, and without change. Please remember to give honor to Jesus who so freely offers his grace. Give to him. Give to him and to him alone the glory his grace deserves. For you must understand, if you don't need his gracious invitation and come into his glorious light, he will in the end condemn you to the darkness of hell. Let Jesus' heavenly hope fill your soul and set you upon upon the throne of your life. You need Jesus Christ. That's what wisdom is saying. You can't do this without Jesus Christ. Let Jesus' heavenly hope fill your soul. Let it build you up. Let him displace every subordinate object from your heart. Take everything out that's not Christ. You don't need it. What you need is Jesus Christ. Let his glory overshadow everything the world has to offer. Let him absorb your every thought and concentrate your whole heart. These are the only paths to peace. Jesus Christ is the only way. The very horrors of Calvary prepare the way for this place in your life. But there is no way in which you can enjoy these blessings until you have forsaken the path of foolishness. There are only two choices, Christ or foolishness. To forsake foolishness and answer wisdom's call is to find the way of life and understanding. Yea, there are more than salvation. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 17 and 18. Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. The sons and daughters of God are to be separate from those who do not believe. They are to go forth in God's wisdom 
obtaining that wisdom through their study. Those who name Christ are given the duty to proclaim the gospel to others. This is not always easy. Many times it's under very difficult circumstances that we're called to witness. You as a messenger of Christ must use discernment in the proclamation of the gospel. Proverbs 9, 7 through 9. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. And he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Now, we were in Sunday school talking about this very thing, and I told you I had something for you when you came this morning. He makes it clear. The simple act willing to hear the scoffer and the wicked are not and will rebel. When we lived in Forsyth, Georgia, the little church we were in decided it was going to go institute a door-to-door program. So we went out and went to all these different houses. One particular house I remember we came to. We came to the door. We knocked. Uh, the man came to the door and opened it. We introduced ourselves. We told him what our purpose for being there was. He immediately let us know in no uncertain terms that he was offended by our being there. And he wanted us to leave and never come back. We obliged him. And we left. You might ask why. Because you're not called to go and argue anyone into the kingdom of God. You cannot debate and win someone to Christ. There is absolutely no methodology ever developed to win a man to Christ. It is only when God opens the heart a man can hear the gospel of Christ and believe it. The gospel is holy. And it must be, but it must never be cast before swine. We don't take the truth of God and lay it before those who want to argue with us. We lay the gospel out and leave. Let the Holy Spirit do the work in their heart. Don't try to force the gospel down someone's throat. It won't work. If God hadn't worked in their heart, they're not going to understand. So be careful in your, 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 your witnessing. It's only when God opens the heart a man can hear the gospel and believe in it. The gospel is holy and it must never be cast before swine. That's a truth, a truth from Scripture. So you have a responsibility to adjudicate the response of the one to whom you're witnessing and to be guided by their reaction. The wisdom of God cannot be forced on the unwilling. Yet, let me caution you not to allow this prudence of sharing the gospel to degenerate into fear and make you a coward of taking that gospel out. We are to boldly rebuke sin and to uncompromisingly declare Christ is the only answer to that sin. Every sinner is not a scoffer, though. A word spoken in season can produce great results. But be as meek as lambs and as wise as foxes, so you go forth with the gospel message. When I was preaching through Proverbs over 20 years ago, someone asked me how long I was to preach on the fear of the Lord. Well, at that time I didn't answer the question. 
But ask me today, and I'll tell you, I'm going to preach on the fear of the Lord as long as God gives me the breath. Proverbs 9, 10 through 11. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and your years of life will be added to you. The repetition of this praise in the scripture surely should cause you to deepen your estimate of its importance. You see this fear of the Lord throughout scripture. The fear of the Lord was the loveliest of the graces of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, should it not be, as Romans 8.29 says, the test of our predestination to be conformed to his image? It's the genuine spirit of adoption. You, as a child of God, should have but one dread. And this is very important. As a Christian, you go into this life And there should be only one dread in your heart. And that is the dread of being offensive to your father. You don't want to offend God. This fear of the Lord connects directly to your love of God. So this fear of the Lord is not only the beginning, but it is also the maturation of your love for God. It's so intimately tied to the knowledge of the Holy One. For if you did not know his holiness, what would there be to fear? Have you ever thought about that? Why would you fear God? What reason do you have to fear God? The only reason you have to fear God is because God is holy. And he has called you to be holy. God gives you the understanding of his holiness so you can see your own sinfulness and through the knowledge of his holiness and your sinfulness bring you to the fear of God. This is not a fear like terror. It's a fear of failure. You know you cannot live as he would have you live. So you fear missing the wonderful offer of grace and mercy. This is why he says, It is the beginning of wisdom. You see that you need a Savior. That should be as clear as the nose on your face once you see the holiness of God. I need a Savior. I need someone to deliver me from my own self, from my sin. And you see that Jesus Christ is the only Savior. There's no other. So for you, Christ becomes the source of God's grace, mercy, and wisdom. Through this, fear develops the love of God and the assurance of his continuing love toward you in Christ Jesus. The promise of the multiplication of days that he talks about here turns into a boundless eternity full of inconceivable joys and infinite desires, fully satisfied in an ever-increasing joy in the presence of the eternal creator. If you're to be wise... I hope every one of you want to be. You must choose wisdom for yourself. Proverbs 9, 12. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it alone. We're told here that each person must choose for himself concerning wisdom. 
Understand, the consequences of our conduct, whether it's good or bad, belongs to us alone. God will not be profited by anything we do. Thus, you cannot earn anything from God. He also cannot be diminished by anything we do. You cannot interfere with his plan. The wise man's light is a blessing to the church and to the world. Christ said, you're to let your light shine. Why? Why would we want to do that? So they might see it by all men. They may see that wonderful love of Christ in you. Why do you want to do that? So they might declare praise before your heavenly Father. We need to be praising our heavenly Father. We do that by living our lives for Jesus Christ. The scorner, on the other hand, he's a grief to all. He hurts all, but much more, he enters, injures himself. He alone shall bear his rebellion, for he continually rejects the one who could be his surety, Jesus Christ. So it is his own rejection that spurns him and sinks him into perdition under a heavy load of guilt that has absolutely no remedy. Galatians 6, 5 declares, Every man shall bear his own burden. You alone can deal with the repercussions of sin in your life. You alone. You're the one that has to deal with that sin. Nobody else can do it for you. You must acknowledge your sin. You must confess it. Galatians 6, 7 says, Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you refuse to deal with your sin, you know what's going to happen? You shall reap the punishment of that sin. You choose what you will do about your sin. You've got to make that choice. What am I going to do? Am I going to confess it? Am I going to repent? Am I going to hold on to it and cherish it? The call of wisdom has to be made by every believer to overcome sin. Christ has made the offer. You're standing there looking at it. Now, we understand. Nobody's going to change their heart without the Holy Spirit working in them first. But we can't ignore the responsibility that Scripture gives us, that we need to be active in seeking repentance and forgiveness from God. We are told that the wise woman builds her house while the foolish woman tears her house down with her own hands. We have talked about wisdom being constructive and productive. Now we see that the woman who follows her own desires and not God's plans, that woman is a representative of foolishness because she tears down her own house. And she does so with her own hands. You must know that while wisdom desires to save, sin seeks, while save, sin seeks for all it is worth to destroy. Proverbs 9, 13 through 14. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing. For she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city. The distinct character of foolishness is displayed for us as a foolish woman. Fleshly lust are always found in open opposition to divine wisdom. 
when the delight of your soul is fixed on anything. Please get this. When the delight of your soul is fixed on anything but God and his grace, you're a spiritual adulterer. If you don't make Jesus Christ number one in your heart, if you aren't depending on him and on him alone for your salvation, not your walking in an aisle, not your, your saying certain prayers or anything like that, it is Christ and Christ alone who saves. Your focus must be on Jesus Christ and on Jesus Christ alone. You're trusting in him. Therefore, you can be a sinner saved by grace because you're trusting in Christ and he is the author of grace. It says the foolish woman's folly is loud. She appeals to all the wrong things, never concerned with what is right. Foolishness is always undiscerning and unprotective. Foolishness will always present herself as having the utmost concern for what is fair, but never about what is right. The foolish woman will say, it's only fair that you live a life of happiness. So go out and do what feels good. Live life to its fullest, for you only live once. You deserve better. Go out and let it and get it. You come first. Nobody else is before you. That's what foolishness calls you to do, is to put yourself before all others. What does scripture tell us? That God's first. Christ is first in our lives. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. It'll tell you others don't matter as long as you get what you think you deserve. That's the advice of the foolish woman. Sound familiar? We've all heard it. Every bit of it. My dear people, please understand. You cannot handle what you deserve. You know why? For you deserve God's justice and wrath. God's wisdom tells you that you can, as an, oh, a believer, overcome what you deserve. There's a way. The only way to overcome such is through living in God's wisdom and grace. Calling on Jesus Christ and placing your hope in him and in him alone. The foolish woman has no trouble with those who actively seek her house. You must see this foolish woman works to allure those who are inexperienced in life and are trying to get to, to go the right way. She's looking for those people. They're confused. They don't have a lot of information. They want to do what's right. And she's looking for them to divert them from that path. Proverbs 9, 15 through 17 says, The foolish woman works to call to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Folks, understand. The path to God is always beset with temptations of all kinds. Satan is angry. He's angry with all who would seek to go down God's path. You know open sin is never a temptation, for it's always so revolting. It's always an invitation to some secret sin that overcomes you. They say, come on, who's going to know? 
Please know this. There has never been any such thing as a secret sin. All is open to the all-seeing eye of God. In the end, all will be proclaimed before the whole assembled world. The foolish woman wants you to see only the polished outside, never the filthy inside of temptation. Let the wisdom of God give you discernment. Let Christ reign in your heart and the Holy Spirit guide you. You must see past the glitter of sin. You must see into the horror that awaits all who follow its ways. Here's the truth that foolishness doesn't want you to know. Verses Proverbs 9, 8, 9 and 18, 9, 18. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. Their dead bodies scattered all about the house of foolishness. She doesn't want people to know that her house is the hidden entrance to hell itself. We all enter in All who enter in are on the slippery slope to destruction. And there is no way any man can save himself from her grasp. She is indeed a harsh taskmaster. She deceives and then destroys all who come her way. Avoid her and seek out wisdom, true wisdom, that you may live and have a life of abundance in this life and in the life to come. My friends, Only in the wisdom of God is there hope of fellowship with your creator. You must put on the wisdom of God. What is this wisdom that can be worn? It's Jesus Christ. You must put on Jesus Christ. How can a man do that? He can listen to the words of life that come from the scripture. He must believe God sent Jesus Christ into this world to live the perfect life, to die the atoning death, to win the resurrection victory over sin and death. This and this alone is the path that allows for man to come into God's wisdom, grace, and mercy. This is clearly given, given to all who have an ear to hear and a heart with which to believe. Won't you turn? Won't you turn away from your sinful ways? Call out to Jesus Christ today. He promises, and his promise is true. All who will trust, all who will believe in him, will be saved. Let's pray. Father, you have called us to stand in your wisdom to serve you and to minister to others in your name. You have told us in your word we are to be holy before you because you are holy. You have declared that you have provided us with your wisdom to help us grow in maturity. Guide us, Father. Guide us to grow in our ability to be witnesses of your grace to the world around us. Give us the strength and courage to stand fast in your wisdom and mold us every day more and more into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen.